episode 145 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, joined, of course, by Paul Herman. Paul, it's been a while since we've been able to get together and talk about Marvel. As I said in the last episode, back in episode 144, I know that was a couple weeks ago. We were off for the holiday. That was my bad. I had some travel, so I was only going to have one window, so I had to go ahead and record without you, Paul. But have you been? Uh, sorry, my, my mic fell now. I apologize, audience. I know people complain <laughs> about my mic quality every once in a while, so I apologize. Nah, you sound fine. Thank you. I appreciate it, Sean. I'm doing well, man. I miss talking to you. We did the Patreon scene last week. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I Marvel love... Unlimited Book Club is what we did yes. last week. Yeah, and I just and I've said it on the show then, and I'll say it now. Those are some of my favorite shows to do. Period. And I, I just it's all you know. Hadn't talked to you in a while. It was good talking to you. And yeah, it was, it's I've missed talking to everybody. And and so uh, yeah, I'm really excited. We obviously have a lot to talk about in this trailer. So uh, yeah, yeah, we sure I'm, do. I mean, that yeah. Marvel Unlimited book club. I mean, we didn't pick that comic for no reason at all. We did some Black yeah. Widow reading for the Marvel Unlimited book club, which is one of our uh, Patreon exclusive shows. Patreon.com/slash Marvel Studios News. <laughs> More details as the show goes on. Uh, yes. But yeah, we were talking about Black Widow then, and we're talking about Black Widow today because we knew that a trailer was imminent. We've been getting these Marvel trailer drops in the last week of last week of November, first week of December, and so here we have one with Black Widow. Although what's a little atypical compared to recent Marvel trailer drops, there's no there was no announcement ahead of time. There was no Good Morning America premiere. They just dropped this thing at midnight Pacific time, or actually five minutes on the West Coast, five minutes shy of midnight on uh, Monday night, December 2nd. So a late evening trailer drop for Marvel Studios. That's not the way that it typically goes. But then again, for a character like Black Widow, I mean, I guess we shouldn't have seen the trailer drop coming. I guess it should have just been here uh, whenever Marvel Studios was ready and and willing to share it. So now we have it, and now we can talk about it. So we're going to go through, and we're going to break this down as we usually do. We're going to cover everything, leave no stone unturned. Uh, But, Paul, before we get into Mm. all of the nitty-gritty details, just what was your overall uh, takeaway from this trailer upon first viewing and presumably second, Mm. third, and however many you're up to by now? Yeah, so when I first started watching it, for whatever reason, my phone, because I I was driving, I wasn't watching while I was driving, but when I was stopped at a stoplight or when I finally parked at my, my work, I got to, I finally was watching it on my phone, but it kept stopping. Mm. I had no idea why. I'm like, why are you doing this? And it was really annoying. So it took me a little bit to get through and I managed to watch it a couple of times on my phone. And I came, when I came home before we jumped on the show, cause I was running around since I got off work, uh, watch it a couple more times. So I, I've kind of gone, on, I don't know if, if I've gone on official record or if I've talked to you or some of my other friends or on the show, I don't remember. It all bleeds together. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I've not been like, over the moon for this movie necessarily, but it's not when I'm like, Oh, I don't need this movie. It's just been kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing black widow, you know, especially since we, you know, what happened to her and, and then game and whatnot. And I just kind of was like, huh, I'm, I'm curious how this is going to turn out. And this was the, and I've stayed away from leaks from, for the most part, besides taskmaster. We'll get to that at some point. Um, and I, but like we talked about on the, on the Patreon show, and again, that's not me trying to plug our Patreon. Just we just literally talked about a bunch of this stuff <laughs> on the Patreon show. Uh, but we talked about I have no idea what the plot of this movie, and mm. I'm glad I don't. And I don't think you do either. Maybe you know more than me. I don't know. But I it was it was really fun to kind of piece together what the story is going to be about with the trailer. That's why I love not knowing spoilers because you can kind of figure out, hey, I what you know again. 
with my knowledge of comic books, I'm like, okay, what exactly are they doing this? And with my knowledge of, of Marvel Studios and whatnot, what are they going to do? What could they do with this, et cetera, et cetera? And uh, I got to say, Sean, I, I came away really impressed with the, with the, with the trailer. And, I, mm. and you, know, you know, it's not – I don't say that lightly because sometimes I haven't been impressed with trailers and sometimes I have been. And it's not always indicative of what I'll think of the movie because I was really excited for Doctor Strange trailers and they got me really excited. And then I saw the movie wasn't as excited. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was a tra- well, the trailers I never really got behind and I didn't really get behind the movie either. And that's a whole other podcast as well, as you can probably have heard at some point. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it's I, available. It's, it's in our library. Yeah. Hey, go go find it, guys. You'll, you'll see it. You'll, you'll want to throw things. And, yeah. and Road to we didn't. Uh, we were on a on an extended hiatus back when the movie actually came out, but uh, we covered it in our Road to Infinity War series almost two years ago. So it's in there. It, it's around. It's, in there. it's around. So so I, I just want people to know. I don't want people thinking that I, you know. And Sean knows this. I'm not a Marvel homer in a sense where. I'm like gonna love everything that's just thrown at my face and go. This was mo- this was mind blowing. I'm not like that. that <laughs> for those who know me, I get too critical sometimes. Yeah, but that, that's my job on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. But here's the deal. This is a really, really good trailer, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I thought. I just again, there's lots to digest, but overall, I just came away really impressed, and the overall feel that I, I get from this. And this is not, and this is so easy to say, but I really mean it when I say it. I do get a giant Winter Soldier vibe from this mm-hmm. movie, and again, I think that's intentional to an extent. But there's, I, I, I get that, but it also has its own thing going on, and I like that. Just the, just everything we've got from this, this little teaser. It's not even a trailer; it's a teaser. I got really excited to what the potential of this movie could be. And that's what the teaser's job obviously is. So yeah, I, after first blush and just kind of like just going through it and kind of, okay, what, what do, what, you know, cause again, I'm not like over the moon, like I can't wait to see this movie. And I remember <laughs> thinking, hearing about the, um, the, uh, white costume or seeing it in, mm. in concept art for black widow. I'm like, well, I get it. Black widow. She's in the exact, she's in white. Okay. I, I just, it's just whatever. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's a different costume. I get it. But seeing it in action, it's a Looks little pretty bit. Cool. I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm in. So <laughs> I mean, so there's, I'm, I'm there's a lot of intrigue in this. So I, I can't yeah. wait to dive into it. Yeah, I was very impressed by this trailer, but that comes as no surprise because I already saw footage of this, and it's not a humble brag. It's just for reference. I saw this, or not all of this, but I saw some of this footage at Comic-Con as well as D23 Expo this past summer. So what I was pleasantly surprised by as much as anything else, well, I mean, the footage gets gets top billing there, but what I was also pleased with – uh, was that this wasn't just a repeat of the uh, SDCC and D23 footage, because that actually happened to me once before during the uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy. The, if everybody remembers the hooked on a feeling prison lineup first teaser trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's really, really great, and it's an outstanding teaser, but individually it was a little bit of a bummer because we couldn't, uh, or because... Well, having seen footage, at, I wasn't uh, I wasn't in Marvel Studios Hall H panel that previous summer in 2013, but I was at D23 Expo, and they showed most of that same footage, and so that's what the teaser trailer was. So for most people, it was something new. 
for me, it was mostly stuff that I had already seen. Happy to report that this time it's a it's a mix of stuff that I saw at Comic Con and D23, but also a mix of brand new stuff that gives me a better sense of the film. From an overall perspective, before we get into all of the details of this trailer, what I really continue to be impressed by is I, I feel like Kate Shortland as a director here, for all the talk of Marvel Studios not really allowing directors to be themselves or to really you know have their vision in these films. I've disagreed with that quite a bit over the years, but I, I think this is another example of how that doesn't really hold up. This looks like a Kate Shortland movie to me, and it has it. You're right in that it does have some Winter Soldier vibes, but that's really just the closest comparison within the MCU. It doesn't look or feel to me like Winter Soldier all over again. It just that's the closest thing for reference, but it, it definitely feels like its own film, its own tone. Uh, there's not as much, and, and we'll see what happens with the final film, but there's not as much humor in this, just like there wasn't as much humor in Winter Soldier. Now, there's still humor, there's still jokes, because that's just going to happen. It's natural in the storytelling to have a little bit of humor every now and again, but it doesn't look like, it looks like the mix, the balance might be a little closer to something like Winter Soldier, for example, as opposed to, you know, a Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok, obviously. So I, I like that. And then the action sequences. You get to see a bit of the fight between Yelena and Natasha. And if you like what you were seeing in this fight, trust me, there's so much more because we saw plenty more of it at Comic-Con and, and D23 over the summer. So there's a lot more where that came from. There's a lot of that up-close, hard-hitting, really visceral, tightly choreographed action and, and that I really enjoy about this. But then there's also this, masti this massive um, spectacle sequence at the end where we see this free fall with uh, Natasha just diving down and being chased by these guys who are firing machine guns in midair, which, I mean, to me, it almost looks like Marvel Studios is trying to up the ante on the barrel of monkey scene from Iron Man 3, which is an incredible action sequence in that film. So I was really impressed by this. I continue to be very impressed by this film. And, you know, I'm not that different from everyone else in that, or I don't want to speak for everyone else, but... Of course, you have the questions about this film and the idea of it being a prequel. I really didn't like the idea of the movie being set predominantly pre-Iron Man 2 and Avengers. It looks like some of this movie is set back then, but most of it is not. And I'm really happy about that. I'm really excited about that because I wanted to see a take on Natasha who'd been through some of the experiences that we've witnessed in the MCU. And I think we see that coming into play uh, in interesting ways in this trailer. So instead of being... Uh, instead of continuing to be vague, let's just go ahead and let's get into it. So mm. we open in this wide shot, and that wide shot, it actually is Budapest. I know they don't say that, but you can look at the images, and you can also confirm, and they also confirmed this at Comic-Con and D23. And then we cut to Natasha, which this scene may or may not be in Budapest. She's standing in front of a mirror looking at herself. There's a voiceover saying, I used to have nothing. And then we get flashbacks from Age of Ultron, the Red Room stuff, and then we get uh, flashbacks from Avengers, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, it actually hits on Nick Fury when she talks about having this family because the voiceover is, and then I got this job, this family, but nothing lasts forever. Back to Natasha in the mirror. And then we get a really cool title card uh, with the way Marvel Studios incorporated the Black Widow logo into it. I thought that was sweet. Um, and then we get into this train station. Natasha exits, and she's looking behind her back. And we're also hearing, we're hearing, I guess, General Ross, maybe not Secretary of State Ross, saying, I heard you had to leave in a hurry. Natasha saying it's never easy these days. And Ross saying, so what are you going to do? Uh, there's a shot of this convoy driving, and it looks like, uh, and then, of course, we see him 
parking and we see uh, Ross and we see a de-aged Ross. So let's talk about that first. Obviously, plenty okay. to talk about with Natasha. But what do we think of uh, of General Ross here? Because this, I mean, if you compare the way he looks with the de-aging here, he certainly doesn't look like uh, Civil War era Ross, Secretary of State Ross from 2016. And he looks even younger than Incredible Hulk Ross, you know, circa 2008, mm. 2009. So it doesn't, because remember, uh, The Incredible Hulk, even though it came out just a couple months after Iron Man, it actually takes place close uh, around the same time. It overlaps with Iron Man 2 and Thor, uh, and Iron Man 2 mostly takes place six months after the first Iron Man film. This looks uh, before all of that. And Natasha actually looks different uh, there, too. And she looks closer to the way she did in Iron Man 2. I couldn't identify any de-aging in Natasha, but there is another shot where her hair is its longer, it's curly like it was in Iron Man 2. And uh, and so it's seen, and of course we see the same convoy that we see that that Ross is with earlier in the trailer. We see that driving through in the background. So all of this appears to be in the same sequence or a couple of sequences very close together. So what do you think is uh, what's your take on what's happening here with Ross and and how far do you think we're going back? Yeah. <clears throat> so to be honest, I didn't even notice the age Ross, and I just thought it was General Ross. And so I just kind of kept going. So I'm, I just realized that it is de-aged. And again, I've only seen it on my phone a couple of times. But now I'm kind of like, oh, because I, I think it's very deliberate that we're seeing General Ross, obviously, and not just for him pushing the story. Because obviously he's got a connection with, uh, I think, somewhat with these superheroes or the super agents, if you will, because he brings in Blonsky from Incredible yeah. Hulk. He's affiliated with all the Avengers in uh, Infinity War and 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 Civil War and all that stuff, and and he seemed to have access to Shield databases back in yes. Incredible Hulk because exactly. there's when they're searching for Bruce Banner, you actually see Shield files opening mm-hmm. up, so you see Shield on you see that Shield logo on the computer screen. So it's already been established in the MCU, even going all the way back to the incredible Hulk that Ross has either some affiliation with, or if nothing else, some access to shield. And that would presumably mm-hmm. include people in shields employ like Natasha Romanoff was. Right. And so I think that Thunderbolt Ross plays a, I think there's, there's a couple different reasons why they have him in, in this movie. I think it's obviously he has got a connection with her, but it's, because one thing I've seen on with people say, why would they have this movie take place in phase the phase three or, you know, when it's supposed to take place in phase four? I think that's very to me. It's it's a I think it's one thing to give you're, you're giving Black Widow her due one finally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big reason. But two, I think that because you have a, a D.H. Ross and I think Ross can have a presence in this movie in general. Um, no pun intended. Uh <laughs> I think that there's I think they're set up here for a bigger role for him in the phase four of kind of like a not the next Nick Fury, but something like I that. I mean, him recruiting a Natasha, because I, I was thinking about you and in, in this conversation that we were going to have when I saw this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at him recruiting Natasha at a time that seems to be closer to when she was bad. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. even know, like. Maybe she's with S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point, kind of looks, you know, her uniform looks very S.H.I.E.L.D.-ish, but also it looks like the Red Room Assassins wear this kind of gear anyway. So hard to say definitively where she's with, although I think I see the makings of a S.H.I.E.L.D. logo in the free fall sequence. Uh, quick note on the order of things. 
I think this is this meeting between Ross and Natasha is after that free fall sequence at the end of the trailer because she's wearing the same outfit and she does actually even though it doesn't look like she has a ponytail right before uh, you know when we see the con- when it's that shot of her that they use for the thumbnail for the trailer and you see the convoy from the side you can actually see it, it was a ponytail that she had in the free fall sequence and her hair actually looked pretty long in the free fall sequence so I think this is the fallout no pun intended of that. <laughs> Whatever yeah. mission this was, that's why there's this wreckage on the ground, and then Ross shows up, and so this is either early shield days for Natasha, or it's pre-shield days for Natasha. Either way, it's in fairly close proximity to when Natasha wasn't really up to any good, and so when we talk about Ross potentially recruiting someone, or having recruited Natasha mm-hmm. at one point in time to maybe do some things off the books, to go on some missions, and... I mean, it kind of it kind of sounds thunderboltsy, and yes. so when we're talking about planting the seeds for for Phase Four, maybe. Yeah, and see, and that's kind of where I, I'm going with it. I think again, I think this is to be to give Black Widow her due because now she's dead, mm-hmm. um, and I think that this is something that fans and and me included, like I, we've all a lot of us have wanted a Black Widow movie. Sure. After Winter Soldier and Avengers and whatnot. So I think that there's so I feel like there's a story to be told here. I think this is going to be even more set up for not just Thunderbolts, but just kind of other things in general. I really feel this movie is kind of is going to do multiple things. It's going to set up. It's going to give us the Black Widow Widow movie that we always wanted. Mm hmm. And it's going to also, again, plant a lot, a lot of seeds for the MCU going forward that they're going to touch on later on. And I feel that Thunderbolt Ross, again, his name's Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. And it, it, again, it, what's hilarious is it's all this is all coincidence for people who are wondering, are, are the Thunderbolts from the comics a direct thing from General Thunderbolt? Uh, no, actually, from what I understand, again, maybe they retcon this. The Thunderbolts were a completely different like thing by Baron Zemo in the comic books that they took the name Thunderbolts as they masqueraded as heroes. So there's no cor- there was no correlation with that character from the you know the Hulk character. Now yeah. you really have an in unit with with this, the coincidental thing of his nickname's Thunderbolt. It makes sense that he would recruit people and then they would label them the Thunderbolts for under his tutelage, if you will. And I think, like you said, Sean, this to me is what's going to really plant that seed of taking the bad characters. And I think also, as we can maybe get into a little bit of this as well, can leave it up to you, Taskmaster, we don't know who or what that character is. We have Correct. an idea. I feel that that whatever this character will be coming back, whether it, whoever it's revealed or if it's a, a one of those things where – Anyone can be a taskmaster, if that makes any sense. One of those uh, dual, like kind of Ronin kind of roles. Mm, maybe. Um, that's what I was thinking. So I think that there's there's a lot of setup for this. In I think that the idea of because again, people are going to come back because it's obviously a giant movie star like Scarlett Johansson and being her now iconic role as Black Widow. Now you can introduce that idea to the mainstream audience of hey, guess what? You know those bad characters. She used to be a bad guy. Well, the Thunderbolt guy, he's going to create this whole new team of Thunderbolts and that they'll later elaborate in the Cap- uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series that Baron Zemo is going to be in. Mm-hmm. You know that that's going to lead into probably Thunderbolts as well. So 
I feel like that's going to lead into the Cap Winter Soldier, or Cap, you call him Cap, he's not Cap just yet, Falcon and Winter Soldier series. So I definitely feel that they're setting, they're doing a lot of setup for this, mm-hmm. that I think, which I, again, that's excite that excites me because this, for me, what I love about the MCU and having a giant continuity that's, that's emulating the comic books, that how it intertw- everything intertwines with each other, I love that. And I love how this backstory is now going to set up something probably later on in these other movies. Hey, it could pay off in the very next thing after Black Widow. Very next after at, at, next in the MCU after Black Widow is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Exactly. You mentioned Zemo. Uh, but who else is there? And who seems to be a hand-picked Ross guy probably? U.S. agent. Oh, yeah. So you have a lot of these things. And, and of course, we're just spitballing here and, you know, speculating wildly based on this trailer. And none of this stuff may come true. But I think one way or another, there are going to be some seeds planted in this film that carry forward into phase four, which is why this film is in phase four and not just considered another epilogue to phase three mm-hmm. yeah. like uh, like Spider-Man Far From Home was. So I, I think there's a reason for it. But regardless of of whether or not, because I've seen the other thing of, uh, you know, the criticism of why does this movie exist now that Natasha doesn't have a future, now that Natasha is, you know, is dead after the events of Avengers Endgame. I mean, you can't really have it both ways. There's plenty of criticism for Marvel in saying that they focus too much on setting up for the future and not enough on telling an individual standalone story. Well, that's Mm -hmm. what this probably is, is more so than anything else. It's this individual standalone story. It doesn't matter... Well, I mean, it matters what happens to Black Widow later on, of course, but it doesn't invalidate this story. And I think this story is, I think this is vital for the character of of Natasha. Now, I'm filling in some blanks here, not only from the teaser trailer when she talks about how she's done running from her, you know, she uh, just continuing on with the, you know, the shot by shot breakdown of this trailer, even though this is not YouTube. Uh, But anyway... We see Natasha with these phony IDs, and she's saying how she's lived a lot of lives, but she's done running from her past. Well, that's kind of what she's been doing, and that's why this is a vital story, I think, for Black Widow, is because something clearly has happened, I think, to Natasha between Civil War and Infinity War, something important that we did not get to see. Because Natasha is very, you know, she's angry, she's upset, she's frustrated as she walks away from Tony Stark in Captain America Civil War, because... Ever since she joined up with S.H.I.E.L.D., she's been trying to find different ways of walking this, the correct moral and ethical path. That's what she's been trying to do, but she's run up against some roadblocks. I mean, it's the stuff that she was being asked to do for S.H.I.E.L.D., which some of which maybe wasn't all that different than what she was doing as a Red Room assassin. And then you you look at something like Captain America the Winter Soldier. Oh, and turns out that even when she was working for S.H.I.E.L.D., she was also working for HYDRA and didn't know it. So that impacts her. And, of course, she's also dealing with, you know, being somebody who had to – who learned to be self-sufficient and then, you know, learning to rely on people, have, you know, build friendships, build uh, family connections, which it looks like maybe she had some of those here, which we'll see in, in from her past with these characters, the family reunion that we see with – uh, Alexi and Milena and uh, and Yelena. But anyway, we have a lot of this stuff going on with Natasha. And I think that's where Civil War is such an interesting film for her is because she finally decides that she's going to be on the side that seems to be for good, the side that people want, the diplomatic thing, the diplomatic solution of the Sokovia Accords. And she signs up with it. She agrees with Tony Stark, which she can't even stand the fact that she's done that. 
And then she betrays that because she betrays Team Iron Man. She uh, she electrocutes Black Panther temporarily, uh, so that that way Bucky and uh, and Cap can get away. And so and and of course Tony Stark reacts the way that he does for, to that. And now she's going to be on the run. Now she's going to be hunted down by Ross and other people associated with the Accords. And so that Natasha is in a very interesting emotional place, and I don't think she's in that place anymore with Infinity War. I, I know that. I know that the screenwriters, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely for Endgame, have talked about, they bring up the idea of the red in her ledger for Natasha and how that kind of gets wiped out by uh, by what she does, the sacrifice she makes in, in Endgame. I don't really agree with that interpretation. And, I, and look, even though it may be their way of seeing it, we're still free to interpret things as they're presented on screen. And that's just not the way that I... I, I don't really see it entirely that way. Because she tells... Um, because she actually tells Clint that he's not effectively anyway, not using, not saying the dialogue verbatim, but she effectively tells him that he doesn't deserve to die just because he's been doing these bad things as Ronan, that people deserve forgiveness, that people don't deserve, don't have to be judged by the worst things that they've ever done. And the Natasha at the end of, at the end of Civil War, when we last see her, I don't think she's the person who makes that point. I think she learns to make that point in this story that's happening here, because of uh, that dialogue, that voiceover of over of not of not of not running, but there also something that Scarlett Johansson said recently in an interview with Vanity Fair, where she talked about how the film is also about self forgiveness and how there are different coming of age moments in our lives, and so I think we're going to see one of those for Natasha here, and I think the moment. Even if maybe there's still some self-forgiveness that needs to happen later on down the line, okay. But I, I think the that primary point or that primary moment of self-forgiveness for Natasha, I think it happens in this story. And that really makes it, I, I think, a vital story in her character arc for the MCU, regardless of whether this is released as a Phase 4 film that mostly is set in Phase 3, even though it's not really technically going to be part of Phase 3. I don't care about any of that stuff. I mean, the Phase stuff is, is a fun way to organize things for us as yes. fans, but ultimately... It comes down to the stories and the story of Natasha, the story of Black Widow. You could say it's complete just based on what we have, but I feel like there's more to it. I feel like there's emotionally relevant things that are still left to be uncovered for Natasha, and I think that's what's happening here. And by the way, if we're going to throw out sequel possibilities and say, well, this movie doesn't have one, I disagree. There are five years between Infinity War and, or the time jump in, in Endgame. Yeah. Plenty of time for another story with Natasha. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be one and done. But if it is, and it's a great story, then that's pl- that's all the reason necessary uh, to make this movie. I think you said it best, uh, Sean, regarding the whole why is this in phase three? If it's in phase four, et cetera, et cetera. It really comes down to the fact that Black Widow is a you want to tell a good story. And, and we, we always hear complaints about tell, you know, you're setting up the future. Yeah, that, that's a great point that we're getting. This is the first time we might be the most standalone movie of the MCU. And I think that that is important to establish that maybe we support these movies that are like Black Widow that aren't exactly super connected in a sense to where they have to be pulling a Mm -hmm. overall narrative uh, forward, that it can be a very self-contained thing that that's good for Marvel. And I think that, I think if black widow succeeds in that, that'd be great. It remains to be seen if that's what it is too. I mean, we don't know. And no, we don't. And I, I I honestly do feel it's going to be probably 
I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's going to be probably the most standalone of all the MCU films, perhaps even before, if you're not including including like the first Iron Man movie and and Hulk kind of a thing. Those are pretty self-contained, obviously, right. and by design, um, because they didn't know what was going on yet. But I do feel that you know, kind of now we're in the midst of the MCU kind of going forward, and everything has to be connected, kind of a thing. This does this does kind of give a, a different feel of its own thing, and it, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to kind of come in with a bunch of baggage of have I seen every single movie? You could not even right. know that Natasha's dead in, in Endgame, and watch this and probably get I'm assuming a lot out of it. So I think this is going to be a very telling thing. Um, and as far as sequel things, what you're saying, I'm. It is going to be interesting how they intertwine the timelines because it, it definitely feels we're going to get timelines going to be all over the place, and that is a very tricky thing to nail down in film because they can be jarring, they can be confusing, and from a simpleton like myself, even for <laughs> someone who knows these characters, it can get annoying at times. And going, okay, where are we at again? So, I I want it. I do feel that. I want to give this movie some credit because until I saw this teaser today, I did, and, and until even we're talking now, Sean, I didn't realize how much they were going to be going back and forth in time. And it definitely feels like there's going to be m- multiple time jumps or time lapses or whatever, or flashbacks, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be too crazy. I mean, I, the primary story is is between seems to be between uh, Civil War and Infinity War. Some yeah. flashbacks perhaps to one or more periods of time, perhaps pre-Iron Man 2 is, is kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Or if it's not pre-Iron Man 2, perhaps pre-Avengers. I mean, the whole thing that was throwing me off initially in trying to figure out the timeline was Ross wearing a suit instead of his military fatigues. Because when he wears a suit, I associate that with Secretary right. of State Ross in Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But, I mean, if that's supposed to be Civil War era... Uh, Ross dial back the de-aging very, very quickly because he doesn't look like Civil War era Ross. This looks significantly uh, before that. So I I think I'm not sure exactly where in the timeline, but it seems to be pre-Avengers, perhaps even pre-Iron Man 2 for Black Widow before we ever saw her in the MCU. So maybe there's going to be, it looks like there's going to be some of that in this movie, but I think the bulk of the story is between Civil War and, and Infinity War. But I mean, there are other places in the Marvel timeline to tell stories, but again, even if you throw out sequel prospects and, and throw out tie-ins, Easter eggs, or whatever, threads that are going to be left dangling at the end of this movie to be tied off later in the MCU, if this is just a really great standalone Black Widow movie, that's enough. And and, and as yeah. you said, it's something that people, you know, some people are calling for with the MCU, and I'm not saying it's something that the MCU has to deliver, but if that's what they choose to do with this Black Widow film, then I'm all for it. And I think it, as I said, I mean, I, I think the most important thing for me is that there is a, a really big, compelling part of Natasha's emotional journey that I want to see more of. That I, that I really, I mean, we haven't really seen that much of it at all anyway. So I really want to see how Natasha acts uh, post-Civil War, what she goes through, uh, obviously in the plot of this film, but more importantly from an emotional perspective, what does she go through that has her emerge the way that she does in Infinity War? Because I think that's maybe the most self-assured Natasha that we've ever seen is Infinity War. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's not really... 
She doesn't have a big part in Infinity War, as everyone knows, but the lines that she says, like it really conveys that element of command, you know, and that element of leadership, which we haven't seen as much of. I mean, a little bit of that in the Lagos opening in Captain America Civil War. She's giving some tips to Wanda. But then there's also, um, but in Infinity War, it's a little bit different. I mean, she's almost scolding Wanda now, you know, being the one to say, told you to stay close, to check in. And then when we're in the big fight sequence in Wakanda, we get the she's not alone line from uh, from Natasha. So there's a lot of different things that, you know, I, I feel like there's a big chunk of Natasha's story that's missing. And Marvel Studios must feel the same way because they're spending a bunch of money to tell this story uh, and they think mm-hmm. it's essential. And I don't think they would do this just as a cash in because they know they hear the things that everybody else is saying. They're aware of what the potential criticisms uh, and they have been aware, I'm sure of what the potential criticisms of a Black Widow movie would be that, you know, knowing that the character was going to die in Endgame, I'm sure Marvel was aware that there were plenty of people who would question the necessity of this movie. And I think they figured that they had, I think they developed their own compelling answer for that, uh, that question of why this movie is necessary, why, or at least we don't really need to see any of these movies, but why we would want to see this movie. I think they have a good answer for that question, and I'm sure they're confident in it, and I'm sure that once audiences get a chance to see it, uh, I think they're going to be really impressed. And And I don't think the demand, by the way, for a Black Widow movie, I don't think it's nearly as diminished as some people would, would argue that it is. I, I think from a general audience perspective, there's still a lot of love, a lot of affection for this character, and if nothing else, for all the talk that you know the that her dying would make people less inclined to see this movie, I could see it making them more inclined to see the movie, knowing that this might be their last chance to see Natasha in a Marvel movie, or at least maybe their last chance in a while. That's a pretty com- that's a pretty compelling reason to go watch it. Say she's finally got a story all to herself, and maybe it's the last one that we're ever going to see. Uh, that's a pretty strong motivating factor, I-, I think, for audiences. So I still expect this movie to do well. But getting back to the plot of this movie, as we're getting it as it's being told to us, which you know is not necessarily going to be 100 percent accurate. But getting back to the trailer. So after Natasha, we get the voiceover of her. When she's done running from her past. She's in Budapest. And she's in this hallway. She's tracking down Yelena. Yelena says, I know you're out there. Natasha, of course, I know you know I'm out here. So we're going to talk like grownups. Is that what we are? And then you see a little bit of the fight. And, I mean, you see some good stuff in the fight. You see them trading guns. You see them, you know, trading different moves. You see them, uh, you know, fighting each other. And But it's more than that. It, it doesn't end just because of that flip. When Yelena flips Natasha over her and like crashes her into that kitchen door window through the glass, like that's not the end of the fight. At least that it wasn't in the way it was cut together when we saw it at Comic-Con in D23. There's a lot more to that sequence. Um, what you see here is already very impressive, but trust me, it gets better. Uh, but I don't know what you thought, Paul, of this uh, little action beat. Oh, this is great. This is what maybe kind of start thinking immediately okay, this is not going to be a typical special effects mega heavy. Again, obviously with the fallout scene we get at the end of the trailer, there's there's lots of special effects and and whatnot. But I love seeing this this choreographed fight scene here that's very rough. And again, this is what reminded me of Winter Soldier. And that's when I started thinking, okay, this is a different kind of story than I maybe was anticipating. And again, it, that's what lured me into thinking, okay, I'm I'm way more into this than I was anticipating. So 
this if there's more to this, Sean, then I'm I'm ecstatic because this yep, is going to be a is. great, great thing. And I this if, if, if the movie is, is full of this nice, gritty, like hand to hand combat stuff that we we get. We've gotten some good hand to hand combat stuff in the MCU films. And and I and maybe I, I'm out of line saying this, but I feel that like there's lots of good hand to hand fighting stuff as of recently in the MCU films. They, just, they don't get enough attention. Almost, hmm. you know, and uh, for the most for at least for sometimes, and I feel like this here is like maybe we're gonna get even more of this stuff, and I think we should they should lean heavily more heavily on some of the hand to hand combat stuff because it has been impressive what they've been able to do uh, with it uh, anyway, especially with Captain America. I thought they did a great job uh, with him and and whatnot. So. But yeah, I feel like this is going to be a great kind of uh, segue into p- potentially having more small-scale Marvel films with more hand-to-hand combat stuff, a la Black Widow, Winter Soldier, and even Daredevil. If you know, thinking of the stuff from the mm. Netflix series, I, the amazing hand-to-hand combat in some of those uh, net, or some of those episodes. Again, I said Daredevil, nothing else. And so, uh, and it, I think we'd all agree that Daredevil was fantastic, and I love those great yeah. fights that we we got. And I feel I got that vibe from this, and I'm really excited because even with Alexi uh, Red Guardian, what we get later on, it feels that it kind of carried that same weight, not just with her, but with other people in the film. So. I am, you know, seeing his face all bloodied. I'm like, man, I'm I'm getting ready for some of this, you know, fight stuff. I love a good, yeah. you know, fight scene. So just a little bit we got here. If there's more to this, sign me up. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff here that's clearly going to be set up and, and done in camera. This fight between Natasha and Yelena, the fight between Red Guardian and Taskmaster, and probably some other stuff that we haven't seen just yet. But then we also have the bigger action spectacle. We have the free-falling sequence. We have the uh we have the sequence where you know Yelena's firing an RPG out of a helicopter and then we get the you know black Natasha dropping she's hanging off of a helicopter drops in in, in the white suit and obviously this is probably I mean I'm guessing this is kind of the the climactic action sequence although I mean who know this also seems like the kind of movie where that climactic action sequence isn't even close to the end of the film and maybe it uh, it carries on from there in, in a more intimate setting but yeah, I love what I was seeing from the action, including this Natasha and uh, and Yelena fight. And then we get, uh, after the fight, there is that shot of Natasha, again, with that fiery wreckage, as I said, with the convoy in the background from Ross. And it looks like, uh, as I, I look, that looks like the outcome of the free-falling sequence. Natasha says, we have unfinished business. And as that voiceover is happening... We see Natasha running. It looks like behind Yelena. And all this seems to be in close proximity to the original fight scene that we got between Natasha and Yelena. Because when they speed up on the bike, it looks like Yelena's wearing the same clothes. And then it looks like it's the same clothes here. They're running. They jump off of a roof. And they're going onto this falling smokestack and this really cool-looking shot. And then there's another Red Room assassin behind them. It might be Melina, but I can't quite tell. I'm sorry. My eyes aren't good enough. Even when I look at it in, uh, well, I didn't have a 4K version of the trailer, but even when I look at it in 1080 um, and pause it, like I can't quite make out who that is. But we see that person start to fall, and Natasha grabs her. So either she's saving Melina, or maybe she's saving a, a Red Room assassin who's trying to kill them. I mean, remember that Natasha's been in the in the place of these women. She has been in their shoes. She knows what's happening so even though they might be trying to kill her, she's going to defend herself, but she's also probably trying to save these women. And so 
Yeah, I know, which may have, you could say whether or not that has anything to do with the red in her ledger or, or maybe it's something else, but I, I am interested to see who exactly that is and, and what that means, what that tells us about Natasha. But as we're seeing all of that, uh, there is also, we, we cut to this interior of an office. From behind, we see Ray Winstone. We don't know exactly who he's playing in this. And then there's another assassin. There's another woman in the shot with him. Looks to me like Rachel Weiss. Don't know 100% if that's her or not, but that's who it looks like. Natasha says they have to go back to where it all started, and that's where we see the, hel- the shot of the helicopter carrying Natasha into some military facility wearing the white suit. Yelena says, we cut to Yelena saying, lucky us. We see these new uh, Red Room assassins in training uh, for, you know, in this, well, I guess this is the new Red Room. So we see that, and then we get the BMW car chase, and we get our first look at Taskmaster. So, Paul, anything, besides, before we get to Taskmaster, anything else that stood out to you in, that, uh, in, the, in those sequences? Well, uh, I, I do think that was Yelena. Or, or Molina is it Molina. Mm. Sorry, yeah. Molina for uh, Rachel Weiss. Molina. Yeah, Rachel Weiss's character. That's who I assumed it was. Uh, maybe it's not, but just the three of them together and the fact that she was trying to save her—that's what I interpreted it as. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, the only thing I'm going to say that stood out to me was seeing that white suit for the first time in action. And again, I was—I was just whoa, okay. Yeah, she looks pretty cool. And I again was not expecting that because I'm like, well, her name's Black Widow. I mean, come on. So <laughs> well, and there's white but, costumes in the comics too. You know what? You're right. I always forget, dude. It's been. I always forget. I know there's the there's a black, obviously. There's the gray, but I don't I don't I vaguely remember the white one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did. Am I surprised? No. I mean, come on. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but yeah. So I don't I don't I don't recognize the white one. I'll have to look at that and see where when when did that show up? Probably what I'm a, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it uh throw it out there. Probably what like late '80s, early '90s. I'd say I'd assume. Yeah. White with the the white costume. Oh yeah, I'm not sure exactly when it happened. I've I've seen different comic images being shared today. I mean, it's probably happened more than once. Well, that yeah, well, that's that's very true. Um, by the way, there's a hilarious comic of uh, in the Amazing Spider-Man, which I had no idea that uh, Black Widow and Spider-Man meet up a lot sooner than I was anticipating, and her costume when they meet up is a like so just a, like a Spider-Man kind of character costume. It's crazy. I had no. I'm like I, when I was reading it, I went. I don't remember like her ever having this costume, and it totally it was her. Like it, she referenced like I think the Avengers, and and her name was Natasha, or she had red hair. I was like, oh, that's totally this is totally her. This is crazy. So anyway, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I love seeing the white costume, and I thought it was great. So uh, yeah, we're gonna get into a, a very interesting uh, conversation here with the uh, the introduction, our first, at least the first public live action movement of the Taskmaster yeah. costume. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember, well, real quick, I'll just say, I love the, the white costume. I, I think it looks awesome. Yeah, and, uh, sure. it looks, I mean, it looked great. Got to see it in person at, at D 23, but seeing it in action, which there it was a bit of that at D 23 as well, but just continues to look great. The more that I see of it. So we get to these shots of Taskmaster in this vehicle chasing Natasha and, and presumably Natasha and Yelena in this BMW. And so we see Taskmaster drawing with a bow and arrow, drawing the arrow. And uh, so I remember, I don't know when this, I mean, this would have been a few months ago when there were paparazzi photos Mm -hmm. of this costume. 
And I remember reminding you not to mm-hmm. judge things by paparazzi photos for this mm-hmm. specific costumes and to wait and see what you think of it once you see it in action as it's going to appear in the movie. So now that you have seen that, and who knows, maybe there will be some extra touches that get added in post-production between now and the movie. But I think for the most part, this is it. So what yeah. do you think? <sighs> I'll be honest. I'm not super over I'm not I'm kind of underwhelmed by it still. I, I do like some the little like uh skull thing they have on the on the mask. Mm-hmm. I do like their I do like the fact there's a hood. So there is in fact a hood on it. I like the color scheme is still keeping intact with the character. Uh you know what's funny? The only thing I don't like about it is just like the the face mask or the uh the shield, the face shield. Like you know, are they gonna play like linebacker for like uh you know, Steel- <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers in like the in late nineties, like Levon Kirkland or something like that, you know? I mean, come on. Uh no, I, I, I'm not too crazy about that per se, but again, it, I do like the mouth part, and it definitely feels that like they're trying to to honor the character before it. And, and, you know, and, and but obviously make it not be so literal because, again, a, the literal costume is I love it. I ain't going to lie. It's amazing. But I mean, <laughs> at the same time, I get why they couldn't just do it. I mean, it's basically a red skull with a white white face and it's a mask. Yep. You know, I mean, it's it's like you basically, you know, and you had know, a white skull painted on Brock Rumlow's tactical helmet as yeah, crossbones true. in Civil War. So skulls, you know, it's been used a time yeah, or two exactly. in the MCU. And there's been a fresh reminder of Red Skull via Infinity War and Endgame. I think maybe if uh, so blame Infinity War and Endgame and Red Skull, uh, Red Skull, not Red Skull, Red Skull being the the Stonekeeper. If we, if the audience hadn't gotten a reminder of what that, who that character was, and what that character looked like, even though I think a lot of them had no idea who that character was when they first saw Infinity War, yeah. um, they still saw this skull-looking character. So yeah. I think they needed to. I, I trust Marvel with this stuff because they've done enough crazy, outlandish, comic booky things in their designs yeah. that. I don't think they did this because they thought the skull was dumb. I don't think they did it because they thought the skull wouldn't work. I think they just thought it was probably redundant based on other designs that they had had for other characters. And they're not entirely wrong about that. And they did keep enough of the skull motif. I mean, I've got a a screen cap here and zooming in on it. You know, it's not just the mouth, it's the nose. So there is, there's definitely a skull being represented here. It's just obviously not as uh, as pronounced as we see in the comics. But I'm okay with it for, for all the reasons stated. Well, and, and again, it's only a quick shot. And it's not, am I going to say, I, I will say it does look better in motion in what we're seeing than what they, just the paparazzi shots. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's because uh, the hood's there. So I'm, I'm glad the hood's still, you know, I, I think the hoods were in, the, in those pictures too. But it, it does look a little more... It does look a little cooler. I do like the Andy Park. I think it was Andy Park. Uh, the concept art that we yep. got from uh, from Comic Con. Uh, seeing that, that looks kind of cool. And I think that again, with the hood on, it'll look cooler. So it's without the hood right now. Which again, we'll see what happens. I one thing about Taskmaster that again, and this is something they, they probably can't just do either because of Deadpool. But he's also or it is also a very wisecracking kind of a, you know, jerk. So that is something I'm hoping that it's somewhat there. Maybe they, they, they can have like they if it is Yolanda or sorry, Melina, Melina, Melina oh my gosh, I'm so bad with names. Melina, um, Rachel Weiss's character, if that really is her, 
then I hope they, it'd be cool if they could like maybe she like acts like a completely different person. Right. And is that cocky? And they modulate the voice so you can't tell if it's male or female. And so it's just it's like kind of like wise cracking like thing where there's it's talk is trash talking the entire time. And again, it, it kind of elevates the idea of it's not that's not her character. So you don't even think that would be her because of the way they're talking. Mm-hmm. So there is, I, I do hope that's part of it. I don't think it's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be like the, the silent killer type, which again, yeah. is not exactly what I want, yeah. but, but again, I, if it is in fact, Rachel Weiss's character and Thunderbolt Ross is in fact tied to this movie more than, uh, than the, it appears that we're speculating. I think it's a very good chance that whoever wears that costume won't be Rachel Weiss later on it'll be somebody else as that in that costume yeah i mean it feels like the kind of thing now sometimes the simplest answer is the correct one and rachel weiss aka melina is taskmaster yeah but it's also the kind of thing that marvel would probably figure that we would sniff out so may now sometimes if it's the right storytelling thing then who cares if the audience is going to be able to you know, if the audience is going to, if some members of the audience are going to be able to figure it out when, when most people who don't comb over this stuff, who go, you know, who, you know, obsess about these things and speculate uh, all the time about these things, they go watch the Black Widow movie. They're not immediately thinking Molina is Taskmaster. So it would be uh, at least somewhat of a surprise, I think, for a lot of people, even, not, even if not for all of us. But at the same time, it could totally be a misdirect because Molina feels like, now, it feels like she's being set up to be perceived as as an antagonist in this. There's, you know, we get our first shot of her. You know, we're kind of blinded because she's uh, backlit, and then we kind of see her come into focus. Yeah. Looks like maybe that's her with Ray Winstone, and, and Ray Winstone is pretty much never up to any good in, in movies for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, when we have, which I mean, who knows? That could be a, you know, that, that could be a. Uh, what's his name? Ben Mendelsohn all over again with Talos is like making, oh, taking, yeah. taking our expectation that somebody almost always plays a villain and using that against us. So maybe there's uh, a little room for that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Melina, it's, we're getting this message over and over again that we should be very suspicious of her. And there's actually a moment when all of them are seated at the table that, uh, that Natasha kind of gives Melina a look that almost is like this suspicious look, like Melina just revealed something uh, that she maybe didn't intend to reveal, and Natasha's kind of ident- clocking that and, and processing it, or maybe I'm just reading too much into a half-second facial expression. But I, I was picking up on that, and, it, and I'm picking up on the vibe of this is our surprise antagonist of the film, so maybe there's a reason for that, and it's ultimately a misdirect, and Taskmaster is going to be someone else. That is completely possible. I know the other theory that's out there is he's shooting a bow and arrow, so it must be Clint Barton. I don't think that's it either. So Yeah, um, no. I, I think it's it's either Melina or it's someone else. I, I would be very, very surprised if it's, uh, if it's Clint Barton. Uh, but anyway... So after we get this, uh, our first look at Taskmaster, we get to see this, what looks like a prison breakout, and we see David Harbour as Alexi, and then we cut to him putting back on his Red Guardian suit for what looks to be the first time in a while. I think that costume looks really, really cool, by the way. I mean, this is supposed to be the Russian equivalent, the communist equivalent of Captain America, and that's what the suit looks like. I mean, it totally looks like a red copy of Cap's suit, so... I think that looks. Uh, I think that suit looks really cool. And then, um, well, I'll talk. We'll talk more about the uh, you know the dinner table scene between these characters. But Red Guardian costume, Paul. What do you think of that one? Oh, a plus plus, man. That is just. Oh, it's awesome. Because here's the thing. 
I'm not going to pretend that I'm some giant Red Guardian fan. When, you know, I, I but I know the character. I, he's always been the again the Russian Captain America, part of the Winter Guard uh, team. And there's lots of different characters from that from that comic. The and, and again, I, very very minor character. And what they're doing with him in this movie is phenomenal. I, I think it's great. They're gonna again they're going to elevate the character, taking a very throwaway character like red guardian are we going to give him some substance and, and i don't know if he has a connection or cause i think there's multiple red guardians there's not really uh if i'm again i could be wrong but i think there's multiple uh, people who have wore the costume for red guardian so uh but either way the fact that and i'm not sure if they have a tie to black widow or not that's why i'm kind of wondering if there's multiple ones or not but i thought there is and uh either way tying this in and, and they have that russian feel is interesting, and I'm curious if they're going to call themselves a Winter Guard, or if there's something like that. Like maybe they're a part of now that the Red Room is done, and then maybe they, uh, Rachel Weiss and uh, the other Black Widow, uh, uh, Florence Pugh's character, um, maybe they're a part of the, the Winter Guard, and they form it maybe post this movie, something like that would not shock me at all. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, but this costume I think is phenomenal because it really is a movie version of red Guardian. oh yeah and, absolutely and, and, and it's it's and this is the stuff why i love marvel uh marvel studios so much because they do for the most part do a great job of adapting these costumes and again taskmaster not my favorite but I, again i'm leaving i'm leaving them open to to wow me but this this is a plus plus this is beautiful and i go i love we get the whole setup of this of alexi slash red guardian in this trailer and i think yeah. again Selling, giving us that, giving us that obvious, this is the comic relief kind of thing is, is good. And and I know some some people will be like, oh, here's the comic relief. But at the same time, I'm into it. Like, again, it's, it's a little bit different and I like where they're going with it. I mean, comic relief, Marvel Studios didn't invent it. They just do it better than most people. I mean, it's. It's pretty much a staple of a lot of blockbuster storytelling. If you go out of your way to completely avoid humor, that to me is unnatural in the storytelling. It doesn't mean it's not enjoyable, but I don't personally consider that to be uh, more organic to a story than having uh, some characters who might be might provide a little comic relief, who might have a bit of a sense of humor. And it is a good call to have some, but not that it's only going to come from... Uh, from Alexi, I mean, we see Natasha giving him a funny look, and so there's some of that. But I mean, with Natasha going through a lot of complex emotional stuff, and Yelena probably as well, Melina probably as well. You know, it's it's kind of the it's the natural fit for Alexi to be that guy who provides some of the who provides a little bit more of the humor that maybe the other characters are are too focused on other things to provide, and you don't want to undercut their experience. So you have Alexi carrying more of that. But overall, I mean, as I said. I don't think there's going to be that much relative to most other Marvel movies. I, I think this would be on the lower end of that uh, of that spectrum of how much you know that tonal spectrum of how much humor is included. I think this would be closer to the the lower end for the MCU, uh, more akin to Captain America: Winter Soldier, uh, as we've compared it to a few times. But um, the other key takeaway for me is, I mean. When Alexi talks about family, we cut to Yelena rolling her eyes, which may not actually be a response to what Alexi said. That could just be yeah. cut in and it'd be a response to what somebody else is saying. But the other thing that people have identified 
is what appears to be, at least it looks very, very similar to the vest that Natasha is wearing in Avengers Infinity War. It looks like Yelena is wearing that. Now, that's very interesting, if it indeed is the same vest. I mean, it's also tough because of the the photography of it. I mean, it looks a little darker in this scene. We've seen it brighter with more of the green show up in these daytime sequences in Wakanda. But, it, I mean, you look at the shape, the design. I mean, everything looks like it's pretty much the same thing. So when we were talking about you know seeds planted for the future, one of the ones that I looked at quite a bit was uh, was Yelena. Because Yelena is a Black Widow in the comic books. And I thought maybe this character gets established here. And we know that we're going to have, or we, we already have some legacy characters in the MCU. We're going to get more. And I thought maybe Black Widow would be that next legacy character. And, and Yelena would kind of you know pick up the baton and uh, carry it forward for Natasha after Natasha dies in Endgame. But if Yelena's wearing the vest in this film and then Natasha's wearing an Infinity War, it almost feels like it's Natasha who's honoring Yelena who perhaps mm -hmm. has fallen. So it it doesn't definitively say that Yelena is going to die. Maybe Yelena goes off somewhere else and Natasha still just wears the vest, you know, as a way to, you know, just personally, you know, have some kind of connection that she still feels to, to Yelena knowing that Yelena is off somewhere else. So maybe it's that. It doesn't necessarily mean that Yelena is going to die. But it might, so now I'm I'm very worried about Yelena going into this movie, and I, I'm not necessarily counting on seeing her in future MCU films. We might, but it's not something that uh, it certainly feels a lot less guaranteed now. That is something I didn't even notice, but that would be again would be really interesting. Is you brought up the Infinity War and how m m probably the most sure she's ever been in. And I wouldn't say confidence. That's not really what I'm trying to say, but it just seems way more um, convicted than ever. I mm. think in in Infinity War, like she's committed. Whereas I feel like she kind of was was shield and, and just kind of making up for her her tr past transgressions, if you will. And we we touch on that in Avengers. In Infinity War, we get a more she's kind of she's very confident where she's in, and and again the convictions are there. And she's committed to this. And I feel that this movie and what you're saying would make up, bring a lot of sense to why she would commit to that and the people she's with because, you know, from this movie, because maybe she's, you know, at this point after civil war, she's kind of just floundering. Like, I'm not really, I have these people I connect with, but I just can't quite put my convictions with them because of my past. And maybe this is how she buries her past. And maybe unfortunately some of her family that she's been a bury and then learns to accept and love the people she's with that are, that she's committed to and to trust her instincts and her and where to go. And again, that's where I kind of get what you're saying, Sean, and what, why this movie would make sense in black widows and, and, and why she would do what she does in Endgame and what she does in Infinity mm. War. So I feel what you're, you're touching on some really important concepts, and, and and again, not not good outcomes for some of these other actors and actresses. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know, man. Like this, you talk about you know sequel problems. I, I, I Marvel probably will have a sequel problem if if they kill off a bunch of these people in this movie and they, and they become fan favorites. So. Um, and again, that could yeah. always be a good problem to have. But yeah, I mean, at at this point, Marvel's not short on characters. So, True. you know, I mean, you've got 
I mean, how many are we got to being introduced on Disney Plus? Brand new ones like She-Hulk and Moon Knight and Miss mm-hmm. Marvel. And then, of course, there are going to be plenty more in the years to come. So, I mean, they don't need Yelena or Alexi or Melina or any or Taskmaster. They don't actually need these characters to carry forward. But if they want them to, obviously, they have that option. Uh, we do get a fight uh, between Red Guardian and Taskmaster. And this is where we see a little bit more. There's... There's a version of this that well not between Taskmaster and Red Guardian. There's a there's a a fight that's set uh, it's set at night between Taskmaster and Natasha that we saw during the Comic-Con and D23 footage that I think is a a pretty good illustration of the way that Taskmaster can match moves or counteract them however you want to however you want to phrase it. And we don't see as much uh, we don't see that earlier in this trailer because of course just firing a bow and arrow. But when we see this fight, I think you get a little bit of that with Taskmaster and Red Guardian. And just based on the fact that Red Guardian looks out of breath as this fight is even getting started, I feel like uh, I feel like Alexi's overmatched here. So that's another thing where you know maybe this is another character to uh, to worry about because the comic relief guy in a big action you know espionage thriller that's not always a guy who makes it either. So we'll have to see if uh, if Marvel leans right into that or if they subvert it in some way. Yeah, I, I, there's just, I will say this, this movie, because of the time frame and what it will set up for multiple different reasons of, of the phase four and in, in with, with Black Widow personally, I'm very curious what, how well this does and what that will do for other films going forward. So if this go blows up, does it open the idea of going back and telling more stories with the older actors and just, and again, you can with makeup and de-aging, you can just right. easily make up for those things. So could we get potentially a spin-off, one-off Captain America film or a Iron Man film or, or something like that, that takes place in between certain stories and whatnot. So uh, to be honest, I think this is very, very much a possibility depending on how well this does, because never underestimate the power of, these characters and the, the actors and that play them and actresses to play them and, and people may want more stories and, and things like that. So I, yeah, everything we're talking about just, you know, again, going back to the rich history of Marvel comics and what you do in the comic books, there's so many stories that they'll go back and explain a untold tale of this, of this character from right. this time frame, and and again in their own series, it happens constantly, and those are sometimes some of the best comics you can read because what's come after it can inf- you can do things that inform what comes after it even better, and it's a lot. It sometimes can be a lot of fun to write around those things. So, yeah, I, I just I love what what we could get what, and what this movie could mean for Marvel films going forward in so many different ways. So. And I love what we're talking about here. So exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if they'll go back and do stories for Steve Rogers or Tony, but we know the possibility exists. And then it just comes down to whether or not they find a story that everybody agrees is is really worth being told. Because, I mean, the difference between Natasha and, and Steve or Tony, obviously, is that Natasha never had her own film. And and there is a you know key point in her life in those two years in that transition, like, Steve in Infinity War, when we pick up with him, he looks very much like the guy who's still been kind of dealing with the fallout of Civil War. Natasha looks like she's changed, to me anyway, just the way I read it. Natasha actually looks like somebody who's 
been through something and come out of it, uh, come out on the other end, uh, actually different and, and changed. And maybe part of that is having forgiven herself for some of the things, you know, the bad things that she's done in her life when she was, uh, you know, coming out of the red room before she joined shield or maybe even some of it, uh, after she joined shield. So it'll be interesting to see, but you know, Marvel has these gaps in the timeline and I don't think they're going to be aggressive about it because I think these gaps in the timeline, having some of these, they're kind of luxuries, right? You don't want to waste mm-hmm. them all and fill them up as fast as you can because then you don't have the ability to do that anymore. You really want to pick your spots. They've, I think they've picked a really great one here for Black Widow and we'll see if there are spots for uh, for other characters as things uh, as things go forward. Uh, but before we, uh, although, well, let's go over some, before we do our final thoughts, let's go over some final sh- some final shots in this trailer. So we get this helicopter moving away from some sort of avalanche, Yelena firing the RPG, and so this looks more like the sequence from Natasha with the white suit earlier in the trailer. But then what we cut to immediately after this sequence is uh, that free fall bit, which, as I said, I think that's right before the meeting with Ross. Yeah. But regardless of when it happens in the film, it looks really freaking cool. And yeah. I was really impressed by that. And as I said, it's great that this movie can offer both in terms of its action, that it can be hard-hitting, up-close, and visceral, and then it can also have these big spectacle bits. And, and as I said before, I mean, I, look, generally speaking, I love Iron Man 3 more than most people do. But, yes, you do. But regardless of how people feel about that film, there's still a lot of love for that Barrel of Monkeys sequence in Iron Man 3. I don't know how you feel about that, but even people I know who don't <laughs> like Iron Man 3 are still fans of that specific sequence. And mm-hmm. so this looks like... I don't. I don't think Marvel went into this saying we need to top what we did in Iron Man 3, but the result may be that they top what they did in Iron Man 3. This looks really, really great. This looks really exciting, and it was a great way to uh, to finish off this trailer. Yeah, this stuff is, again, it, remind, it reminds me a little bit of, again, Winter Soldier at the end with the helicarriers and whatnot, but it still looks really cool, and it, it does look a little... If I if I have to be fair here, Sean, this does look a little too. I don't want to say CGI. It just it just looks a little too no, much for me. There's I, I think there there are some moments in it that I feel like need you know a little more work, but I also feel yes. like they're going to get more work between now and this movie that's coming fair. out. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that this it looks a little more. Yeah, this is probably my least. It, it's still a cool shot. It's weird how I would explain this. I don't mind it. I'm like, yeah, it looks kind of fake because it is fake, you know, kind of a thing, right? But it, if I had to critique it, it's probably the weakest of the special effects shots because everything else looks phenomenal. And because what we've gotten is a little more, I'd say, grounded and a little more, I don't want to say practical, but something like that. It seems, it just seems a little. Everything seems a little more tangible. This is probably what sticks out the most. Is like, okay, this is a little bit of un what we've already they've established in the trailer, but it still looks cool. And I still like what they're doing. If that makes any sense. Well, I mean, you make- what I do like about this though, is that this is a little bit different timing wise than winter soldier where winter soldier went to the, the more CG spectacle for the end of the movie. I think this is early in the movie because I think this is a flashback before she sure. has that meeting with Ross. And so we're not ending the movie on this. I think this is going to be a really cool action beat, you know, in the early, you know, in the first one or two acts of this movie. And then it's going to be, you know, sandwiched between or followed by the action that's a lot closer to the Natasha Yelena fight or Red Guardian Taskmaster fight. Now, there's probably going to be 
a fair amount of CG and what looks like the climactic finale and, you know, the white suit. So there's going to be some of that as well. But all of that so far, I think, looks great as far as the CG goes. So I agree with you that there are some shots, like the shots of the guys, the mask guys falling and shooting, I think those look great. There's just a couple shots of, there's that shot of Natasha as she's free falling and she like puts her hand on a handrail and kind of put, springs herself forward. In some moments that looks good. In some frames, not as good. But I, I, I think they're going to, I think that's just the, you know, the, the visual effects not being finished. I mean, I think it's good enough for a trailer, but we know they keep working on these things for as long as they possibly can until it's time to turn in the movie. So I, I think they will, uh, I think they'll keep working on that. Now, before we uh, wrap up and give our final thoughts on this teaser trailer, I mentioned before that I was going to let you know about the Marvel Studios News Patreon, so guess what I'm going to do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, but before I get into any of that, I have to say thank you very much to Austin Harris. Uh, Austin just joined our Patreon, which means he has access to exclusive podcasts, exclusive audio, ex- exclusive content that's not available anywhere else. So we do Patreon credit scenes. This week for our Patreon credit scene, we don't talk a lot about rumors here. Uh, but there's a pretty fun one that uh, Paul and I are excited about and, and hoping is true. And so we're going to talk about that on our Patreon credit scene for this episode, episode 145 of the Marvel Studios News podcast. Um, and those Patreon credit scenes are available for just a dollar a month. We have additional content that you get for that dollar. You get to listen to a Q&A podcast where people ask me Marvel questions. But if you want to be able to participate and submit questions and join us in our, com- in our community, we have a Patreon exclusive uh, Discord community that's available at our at all of our tiers, three dollars and up. It's really a blast. We actually have a, a watch party coming up this month for Iron Man three. We did one last month for Captain Marvel on Disney Plus. The Friday after Disney Plus launch, we've done some of those for Endgame and Spider Man Far From Home. We've got more on the way. So lots of things going. Uh, We also have the Daily Bugle. That's a Monday through Friday news show on our Patreon. So all kinds of exclusives. And if you do sign up and you get the exclusive audio, you get your own private RSS feed. So you can put that into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts and subscribe. So you get all of these podcasts, not just the main show, but all of the Patreon content. You get it all in one place. You don't have to track it down in multiple spots. And so for more information on that, as well as all the different tiers and exclusives we offer, also including that Marvel Unlimited book club that Paul and I referred to earlier, uh, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Now, Paul, uh, final thoughts on this Black Widow teaser trailer. Yeah, I think that this is, if you were on the fence and like, like not like, again, I wasn't on the fence, but I wasn't jumping over the moon for this movie by any means. This got me a lot more excited, and I think that if you're trepidatious about it or you know people who are and you want to get them on board and they just have no interest of watching the trailer, get them to watch the trailer. I think it might change their mind and go, okay, that looks a lot better than I was anticipating. And I don't know. I, I it, it definitely got me more excited to see more Black Widow. I, and she's never been one of my favorite characters in the films, and – She's been some of my, she's she's been a favorite aspect of certain films, but less obviously less uh, favorite in other films, you know, as well. So she's kind of been hit and miss with me. It was as far as her uh, role in the MCU as a whole, highs and lows. But that being said, it's I didn't realize how much I really like loved or I forgot how much I love seeing Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow and. And I remember when Winter Soldier came out, we had talked about back in the day. I forgot, don't remember if that was Modern Myth Media or Marvel News at that point. But 
we talked about just this. Where's Black Widow? Where's her film at, man? Right. Like, let's let's. We were we were saying it back then. That was, you know, she was pretty much. Uh, I want to say saved, but was like at a, at a renaissance from the Avengers film, and then it carried over right into Winter Soldier. And I remember thinking, okay, where's this? Where's this Black Widow film we want? And it took a while, but. I feel like we're finally getting that what we wanted from Winter Soldier, and I think this is what I'm. I, I forgot how much I really wanted that because how much I love that movie. I haven't haven't rewatched really that movie in a long time. I gotta change that. Um. So so yeah, I think this looks great. I'm really excited. I love seeing Red Guardian. I'm hoping Taskmaster is is handled well, and the costume looks even looks even better when uh, when we see it kind of more in uh, move in motion a little bit more and see it on screen a little bit more. So yeah, I. I'm all in, man. I, I'm really, really excited for this movie. Yeah, I just continue to be more impressed with each frame that I see from this film. I, I think that uh, Kate Shortland, the director on here, is doing a, a terrific job. I love the cast on this. Scarlett Johansson, of course, has been knocking it out of the park as Natasha Romanoff slash Black Widow for a long time now. I'm happy that she's finally getting her own film, and we see these other characters and, and other performers coming to the forefront here with uh, Florence Pugh as Yelena, David Harbour, as Alexi, Rachel Weiss, as uh, as Melina. And it just looks like there's a really good cast here. The story, what we know of the story so far, and the potential of the story sounds really, really fascinating to me. And I think it's going to be a great way for audiences to connect with this character, perhaps one last time, maybe not the last time, but perhaps one last time as a swan song for Natasha Romanoff. That's an exciting possibility. And, you know, I, I understand all the other things out there. I mean, I understand, as we've already addressed, you know, the idea of, well, how much can this move forward? And, uh, you know, the idea of, well, this is this is late. We wanted this earlier. I understand all of that. But as long as we're getting a great Black Widow movie, as long as we're getting a great story that helps us learn more about this world of the MCU and specifically Natasha's world and deepens our connection with her as a character, even if we know where it ends. Uh, I, I feel like that's still a story that's that's more than just worth telling. That's a story that I'm really interested to see as long as it's a really good movie. And that's what it looks like to me based on the footage that I've seen now at Comic-Con, D23, and now this teaser trailer. It just continues to look impressive. One last note before we get out of here. The teaser poster is also awesome for Black Widow. Just simple and to the point with that uh, with that red hourglass logo. So cool teaser poster by Disney and Marvel Studios. Love it. Uh, and just really love this trailer. And I'm excited for this film. But that is where we will wrap up this edition of the podcast. We're going to be talking rumors or a rumor on the Patreon credit scene, as I said before. Uh, but make sure you keep up with us in all the spots that you can. MarvelStudiosNews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, aka P Thug. Also on Instagram at Herman22 with two N's. My podcast with our uh, fellow friend here, Chris Cloud, the Comic Binge Podcast. We're coming back. We're recording this week. We're going to be going over. It's kind of an unorthodox uh, from our or a kind of steering away from our traditional method we've done uh, with previous episodes. We're just going to be talking about Watchmen and kind of uh, just kind of where to binge Watchmen, talk about the new TV show that I am just in love with. And uh, we're going to have a special guest, 
uh, on there. I'm really excited about that. So yeah, it's gonna this episode's gonna be really exciting. We're gonna talk about just kind of Watchmen and where to go from Watchmen and, and what comics to read and and not just you know the the Watchmen characters themselves, but what is what maybe what helped inspire Watchmen and what Watchmen inspired afterwards and where you can find that and binge it. So more 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 than you realize. I'll just say that lots of great stuff and then i can't wait to record that episode so expect that this week and also my star wars podcast star wars is actually heating up like insanity lately obviously so you've got tons of star wars podcasts i'm on blaster cannon pod uh that's on twitter blaster cannon podcast on, on itunes and also my other star wars podcast my good friends uh kyle and tim that's saga continues check us out there and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. And if you're in the mood for yet another Star Wars podcast, there's <laughs> Fandalorians, which I host with John Beerley. And we are going episode by episode right now with our reviews of The Mandalorian. So as a new episode becomes available on Disney+, Plus, we uh, watch it as soon as we can, deliver our spoiler reviews, usually within the first, uh, I don't know, 36 hours or so of when the episodes drop. We've been pretty quick on those. Uh, so hopefully you've had a chance to check that out. If not, please do so. If you're into Star Wars, if you just want to hear about Marvel, well, then you're covered, and you can check out what yeah. we do over on our Patreon. Uh, but for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 